Uh, we're talking about a life of generosity uh, the last three weeks. Um, oh, I should mention something. I, I don't, I'm not like uh, some showboating that I had to wear this because my wife said, you know, I had to. So it was my birthday on Friday. Um, so um, I both love my birthday. <laughs> oh, I both love my birthday, but also don't like for it to be a show. So I'm kind of that contradiction. But we've been talking about a life of generosity. We've been talking about over the last uh, three weeks and ending today, what does it look like for us to be good stewards? stewards of our talents, our treasure, and our time. And really, when we talk about a life of generosity, what we're asking you to do and what we're inviting you to do is take a shift on the way you think about it. That instead of we're asking you on how you spend, how do you invest? Where do you invest? What do you invest in? But we have this, like, incredibly uh, troubling or hard uh you know, relationship with time. And I want to like, I want to see if you kind of vibe with me or you're feeling any of this. And so I want you right now just to keep an internal one. I'm not going to bring any shame and have you raise hands, but internally keep count on some of the things when it comes to time that you feel deeply. So here we go. And uh, friends online, do the same as well. And then maybe share it, because you're in a safe space at home. Um, right? We're not a safe space. We are a safe space here. Um, I need more time. I feel like there's never enough time. I feel like time is standing still. Anyone like that? Like, work never ends, teachers. Um, right? I feel like time just flew by. I hear this from parents all the time. You were just a baby. Um, right? Uh, I feel like there are just not enough hours in the day. I hear this one a lot. How many are you doing? I wish I could stop time. Anybody there? Anybody wants to be Zach Morris from Saved by the Bell with a little time out? Man, that'd be be great. Um, Or this one. Where did the time go? Where did the time go if you're having a good time? I need some time off. Anybody there? I need some time off from whatever that offness is that you need time off from. Uh, and then this last one, right? We got eight. How are we doing, everybody? That's eight. Here's the ninth one. I always have more than enough time. Hey, anybody got one or two? Anybody one or two, right? Um, how about three or four? Anybody with five or six? More than six? How many of you have nine? Because if you do, just come up here and you can preach because I'm done. Uh, like, right, how many is like, I have more than enough time? See, time is such a weird thing that even um, it is just incredibly, you know, uh, such is a hard thing to deal with. Like even so much so that time is such a big part of what we do that even there's a movies that come out, like one in particular, where no longer money is the currency of which you get paid in. It's time. Like, think about that. Like, I'm praying that we'd never move to this place where we get to have to, to earn time. Um, but it is incredibly hard. And so this morning, we want to talk about what does it look like for us to be people whose lives are generous with our time. And so we're going to talk about this one thing this morning and try to expand our understanding around time. It's this. Stewarding of our time, our stewardship of our time, is about living each day given to us by the king, for the king. 
Let me say that one more time. Stewardship of our time is about living each day given to us by the king for the king. And so we are going to talk about what does it look like in our time? What does Jesus want from us in the generosity of our time? And so if you uh, have your Bibles in front of me, I want to dig in to our text that's going to form us today. We're going to jump around, but this one is one that I really want us to dig into. It's Ephesians chapter 5 and... Um, starting in verse 15. And so I want um, you to read this. If you have it in front of it, we always like and encourage you to have it, whether it's physical or digital, uh, but it'll also be on the screen. It says this, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because these days are evil. Therefore, don't be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always give thanks to God the Father for everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me? Father, we come to you as people um, who have shown up talked about it last week, God. We just are showing up, and we're asking you to do what we can't do, that sometimes we're unwilling to do. God, we are just asking to be uh, the clay and for you to be the potter, for you to put your hands on and mold us and form us into who you are calling us to be as disciples of you. And so, God, right now we just sit from wherever we came and from wherever we're going. Right now it's yours. God, you open our hearts, our minds, and our ears to hear, to see, to move. We ask this in your name. Amen. Time is moving, right? Time is moving right now. The seconds are moving. The minutes are moving. The hours are moving. The weeks are moving. The months are moving, right? Even right now, like you're, some of you might be like, the minutes are moving. And for some of us who like to keep on track, uh, like, right, we're getting close to service being ending, Right? Everything is moving, but what do we do with time when it seems to be moving faster and faster than we can handle? Like, right, how many of you, like, students or parents have had that feeling of, like, wow, the school year just started and now it's over? How many of you, like, man, I just had this kid and now they're walking. I just had this kid and now they're off to school. I just had this kid and now they're going to college. Like, all of a sudden, time is flying by and you just don't know what to do. It's like a roller coaster, like at, at, um, at Universal we went to, it's called the Hulk. It just, you sit in it, and then it shoots you out at 65 miles an hour, and all of a sudden you're like, huh, right? The whiplash of time seems too much at times. But I just want you to do one second right now. Just take a breath. Like, literally take a breath. Another one. We've said this before. But just as much as that breath is a gift, our time is a gift from God. Time is a gift from God given to you just as much as that breath is. Right now you're breathing, which means you got more time. But you got what you got. You've got what you got, and you can't get any more. And I want to look at some scriptures because I don't want to just sit in here in Ephesians and say, this one text speaks to the entirety of what it looks like to be time. No, the word of God like speaks clearly in all these places. And so I want you to like look at some of these texts that we have right now. Like we're coming up here on the first one. 
It's talking about in Psalm 139. We've used this a lot. This is the one that God knows you. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All of the days, every one of your days was ordained for me, and it was written in your book before one of them came to be. Your days are numbered. All of them, moments, breaths are numbered. You can't earn any more. No matter how efficient you are with your time, you can't earn any more. Let me hit the next one. From James chapter 4. Now listen, you who say today or tomorrow we will go this city and spend a year there and carry on business and make money. Why? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? What a good existential question. You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. I like to think about it in another way. They say, like, man, God's movie, you are just an extra. You're in it for one, 30 seconds, 15 seconds, and then you're gone. We're not the main piece of this story. We're just an extra. But we play a part. And then this last one from Matthew. This is a great one when we talk about worry. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink, or about what your about your body, what you will wear, is it not life more than food, and that the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air; they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet their heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? We sang that today. He dresses the lilies. With beauty and splendor, he watches over the sparrow. How much of your worry, not, maybe not even worry, but how much are we so good at our efficiency of life that we think by being efficient we can add time? Man, add time. But it's a gift to us. It is a gift to us, and we are called to use it wisely. We have a gift. And we should take great joy that we don't have to earn this time. Think about it. If I had to earn this time by doing X, Y, or Z, or being good enough to earn more, like, man, that'd be the worst news ever because I am not good enough to earn any more time. But it is a gift every moment. And so I breathe in air, I breathe in time, and I say thank you, Jesus, for the gift that it is. But not only is it good news that we don't have to earn it, but here's a thing that I think you might, might need to, when we talk about being generous with our time. And you might be like, how do you be generous with our time? Here it is. God isn't competing for your time. He's not competing for your time. But he wants to work in collaboration with your time. Like how many people in this relationship with Jesus, or have you heard when talking to people, is that as you grow as a disciple, there is this tug on this heart of conforming who you are to who Christ is. And we talked about discipleship is forming us. And it seems like that to do, and even the church is saying, I want more time. I want your time. I want you to do this or that. Or all these things. Like we just want more time from you. Everybody's pulling for it. Let's be honest. Even the church. But we got to stop believing that, that we are in competition with God in our time. He's not competing for your not time. He's not saying that you, if you're a really good disciple, that if you're not working, you're giving your time to God. Or maybe even if you are working, you're being not as good of an employee because you're really being about the kingdom wherever you work. Like, God isn't competing for your time. He wants to work in collaboration with you. Think about it. I thought about this today. It's like, how, in, how do I get stuck in this idea that I'm competing with God and God is competing me with time? That I'm competing against the one who very created time. 
How can I, how can God, who is the one who created, stands apart from it, spans all of it, is in competition with time? Time isn't used, been used as something that is against you or against God or is a thing that we're using and we're pulling. We're trying to take more from God or God's trying to take more from us. He's not in competition with us. He can't. He created it. Every one of the moments that you have been created for, he's not competing for it or from it with you. He's working in and through it, in and through you. He isn't competing for your time. He doesn't want you to slice it up and decide how much of time that you're going to give. This time we're talking about generosity time is not, God is not asking you to say, hey, how much can I legalistically pull out of my time, give to God, so that is enough to be generous enough? How do you cut apart time from the one who created it? He doesn't want to control you. Jesus isn't about being in a relationship with you to control your time. But he wants you to understand that he, it's a gift. It's a gift that he has given to you that he wants you to use wisely as a way of disciples. And he's saying, the one who created it, who knows it, who stands apart from it, how about you come to me and learn what it's like to be in a relationship with time that doesn't feel like a competition? Like how many of us are looking at our calendars and our calendars are competing with us? That it is full. I had a friend in Connecticut when I was like, hey, can we get together sometime? And she sent me a screenshot of her calendar, and there was not like five minutes in between every meeting. She's like, I don't know. Do you want five minutes here? Do you want three minutes here? I was like, man, how does it feel like to be in competition with time? But I don't think that we as people are learning to be generous with our time by kind of coming to this rhythmic, legalistic, laid out pattern of how we use our time. I think it's different. And Paul really gives us this idea and and understanding of what it looks like in Ephesians. And so I want you to do is, I want you, if you have it in there, there's two things that he talks about that's really going to push us to stretch us to be in a relationship with Christ and with God with our time. And it says two things. The first one, don't waste your time. Don't waste your time on things that are going to take you off course. He says it this way. Like, that's my paraphrasing of Paul. Don't take, your, don't, don't take yourself away. Things that don't waste your time that pulls you off course. Right? Don't, don't be careful on how you live. Not as unwise, but take the most of every opportunity. This one says, like, understand what the Lord's will is. Like this. And this is how he says, like, the things that distract you. I love Paul. Like, of all the things that he could choose, he goes, don't get drunk on wine. Like, I'm like, first of all, what kind of leaders do you have in that church, Paul? You might need to replace them all. Church, I'm telling you right now, I don't have an issue with drinking wine in excess, but I thought about this as like, what in the world is wrong with this church? Where the first thing that he says to you is like, man, I want you to, to, to be wise and don't be a fool. Don't get drunk on wine. But I thought about that. Like, I, I'm, I'm not a person that, that deals with, we've had a family history of alcoholism in our family, and, but I don't understand, like, what, for me, what is that for us, for church that doesn't maybe have to deal with that? What happens when you get drunk? What happens is you start to, like, your, your, your time, or you start to pull away um, to get um, kind of out of focus. Uh, you lose track of time, right? There's so many things that, like, maybe some of the filters fall off. And I thought about, what does it look like in my personal life if I'm not getting drunk on wine? What am I getting drunk on? And if I'm really honest, 
And we say this at Pine Lake, we like to be honest, even as pastors. You know what, like, gets me? You know what gets me off track? The Instagram reels. (laughs) Anybody else? Right? Let's go. Somebody else is being honest in here. Like, right? Like, I, you get to your feed, and then you get this one Instagram reel, and you want to pull it up full screen, and you look at it. And the great thing about it is once it ends, it's like, bloop, there's another one. There's another one. There's another one. And then you, right, I put my kids down. It's the end of the day. I'm like preaching right now. My wife is totally going to hold me accountable for this um, after this. And that's okay. That's great. But all of a sudden, I look up, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, what time is it? It's 11.25. Oh, Lord. Right? Right? Like, I've lost track of time. It's distracted me that this time where kids are asleep, uh, this is the most glorious time for parents, right? You can get things done. You can clean up. You can do all the things. You can clean yourself. Like, you can do everything. You can have a late-night snack. You can go get a crumble cookie and eat it to yourself, right? You can do all those things. But I'm like, hmm. Oh, <laughs> that's a, And funny. Like, trust me. I need a laugh every once in a while. Like, Instagram reels are funny. But here's the thing, like, you know about getting drunk? The thing that happens is the filter you lose. And I thought about this. How do I lose my filter? Oh, oh Lord, Instagram algorithm knows you. Man, the thing that distracts you, that makes you lose time, that distracts you, and then bubbles up from it, just like if you're getting drunk, your true kind of maybe yourself, things that you've been hiding in there, that you've been pushing down because you're a good human being, starts to come up. Man, that's the algorithm. What's the next video? What's the next video? Truly in your heart, there's like, this is what this person wants to watch. It's so good that it tells you exactly what you want to see. That you not only get lost in time, but then you get distracted in looking at really what your heart wants. Man, I'm going to have to change my algorithm. I'm going to have to stay on a little bit of gyra. I'm going to have to stay on a little bit of more Christian-like stuff. But really, like, you look at it, and he's saying, this is what he's talking about. When you get drunk on wine, not only do you lose track of time, do you lose track of, like, what you're focused on, but then the things bubble up of what really is want and desire in your life. You can't fake that algorithm. We get hyper-focused. We lose track of what is really important. I get hyper-focused that I'm sitting on the couch and I'm missing the chance to spend time with my wife, to spend time like responding to friends. But church, I, wanna, I don't want to be in a legalistic way. I want to end with this. Because I thought about it. We were talking about it as a staff. We we're like, what does it look like to be dangerous with our time? Maybe, maybe we just need to lay it out there legalistically because maybe people don't know. Maybe I'd say, like, you need, to, you need to give 10% of your time, which means when you're not sleeping and you're not working, that's eight hours, you need to give an hour every day to Jesus. That's not what we're about. Jesus isn't in competition with your time. He wants you to use it in a way that is beautiful. And so I thought about this. That one's not going to work. Um, and I was talking to a friend, and... She was talking to me, and she said there was something that changed her. I have this painting in my office. This painting is by Scott Erickson, and it's called Upworthy. And in this, he talks about that how much of us view our time as being invaded, distracted, 
If you've ever had young kids or worked with young kids, that they are the bane of your existence if you want to get something done. They are the distraction. And how much of us as followers of Jesus, when we are wanting to spend time with Jesus, do a distraction come and steal your time? I thought about this a lot. I can't put it down there. I'm just going to hold it for a little bit. This is... Jesus isn't competing for my time. I looked at this and I really was saying that when it comes to being in a relationship with Jesus and not competing for my time, but being in collaboration, my kids, when they walk up to me, when I'm praying, when I'm on a prayer rock, maybe when somebody from this church emails me or texts me when I'm really deep in prepping for a sermon or meeting in a staff meeting or praying, like it's not an interruption. It's an opportunity to communicate with God to the person Right there. That this person is not, um, my kid is not an interruption, a, a person that destroys my time, my efficiency, takes away from me, but it's an opportunity to communicate with them the love of Jesus Christ to them. That no longer do I see them as something that I'm in competition, that they are in competition with me spending time with Jesus, but they are an opportunity now to communicate the very relationship that I have with Jesus to someone else. This changed everything for me. That people and who you are, whoever it is that, you're, that, the, that is the kid for you, whoever's the one that sucks and takes away your time, the person, they are not a distraction from your relationship with Jesus. They are an invitation to commune with a image bearer of the one true God. I don't want to sit up here and tell you legalistically that this is the way it looks like to spend your time. What I want you to do is to interact with a person of Jesus who when he walked around in ministry from place to place was often interrupted and didn't kick them aside, push them aside, say that by who you are, a woman, uh, unclean, a Pharisee, a Samaritan, or whatever it is. He wasn't pushing them aside. But often Jesus, when he was going from one place to another and was interrupted, was not saying like, you are detracting me from what I'm supposed to be doing, but you are an opportunity to minister, to live out my life, my convictions, my beliefs in flesh. That as he was going to raise a child from the dead, a woman who had been bleeding for years came up and said, if I can just get near to him. And instead of just letting it go, feeling the power go off, he stops and he moves and he looks at her and says, who touched me? Because he wants to engage with her. He doesn't want to push her aside, move her aside to say, you are not worthy. He wants to say, you are upworthy. That he looks at that woman as his little daughter and says, sweet girl, come to me. Our kids, whatever is in competition, they're not against time. They're an opportunity for you to live, for us to live our faith out, to be generous with our time, to not be moving so quickly on what is the end goal, but to stop and say, I see you. Church, I want to say right now, you are not a distraction to me and to our staff. 
My kids are not a distraction to me and my spiritual development. When he talks about being generous with our time, we have a God who says, I'm not in competing with it, but I'm giving you every opportunity. I want you to have space and margin in your life to respond to the people that I'm putting in your life that you know and you don't know. To being generous with our time isn't to say a legalistic way of way I'm going to serve, the way I'm going to give, the way I'm going to set aside my time for, for a quiet time, for prayer, for serving. Like those are all good things. But if you're doing it in that way, like all of a sudden that stuff will dry up. But instead, switching and saying, God, I am not in competition with time, just giving you enough for that you'll be satisfied, that I'm in collaboration with you, that when I go from here to there, that I meet people who are often what I believe is a distraction, but they are an opportunity to be a brunt and a face of someone who needs the love of Jesus Christ. Our staff talked a lot about it. What does it look like to be generous with our time, to tithe our time? And the thing that kept coming up is, is I really am envious and really want to be like people who are not anxious with their time. They're non-anxious people who always seem to have an availability. Like, they're not lazy. They don't have things that are, that are on their schedule, but they are available as Jesus was available. This is one of the most beautiful things that you can do and I can do and we can do and be generous with our time is to remind people that they are not a distraction, something to be kicked aside, but they are an opportunity to minister, to get to know, to love, an image bearer of the invisible God. Tell you students here, kids, parents, you're not a distraction. That when you come to God and it's not on his time, he doesn't say, hey, Austin, this is a bad time. Could you come back later? He says, no, son, daughter, come. Talk to me. Be with me. Let me hold you. Let me hear from you. Let me speak to you. Church, if we want to be generous with our time, we have to look at a Jesus and a God who is in the creator of all time who doesn't see us as a distraction or something to put off aside when time is right, but to say the time is always right, that I get an opportunity to love you. I get an opportunity to express my love to you. This is what we do as a church, is we create space and margin and priorities. We talk about this last piece, this thing where you say over and over and over that's going to just fill us. This is our capacity, your capacity to be generous with your lives— is a direct correlation to your depth of discipleship. My kid isn't my kid. My kid is a beloved son, child, daughter of Christ. If I don't have time for them, I don't have time for God. Then one of the best things that we can do is generous with our time is to see this as an opportunity not to minister to someone, but to minister to Christ. He says that in Matthew at the end. What you did for the least of these, you did for me. My child isn't my child. My child is a son, a daughter of the Most High God. 
You're worth it. You're worth the time and the space. Would you pray with me? God, I wonder how many of us have felt like a burden, a distraction, a joy kill. That we're not worthy. God, you said in that moment, after thousands of years of walking with Israel, that the time was right. Could no longer wait anymore. It's time for you to come. To put on flesh to live amongst us and teach us what it looks like to not be a God that's outside of time and created time, but lives in it. Jesus, I don't want a legalistic, mathematical way to break my time down to appease you. As your apprentice, I want to talk like you. I want to think like you. I want to walk like you. And I want to live like you. So God, would you and all of us right now, would you begin to shift us one degree in how we relate to time? That if we have a God who is available to us, we have and be a people that are available to one another. God, come. And for anybody for anybody right now that feels like a bother to Jesus my prayer is that they would see this painting and see hands that aren't shooing them away but wants to pick them up, hold them in the midst of their struggle and sorrow, wants to throw them in the air to celebrate the joy of what life is in Christ. For whoever feels not worthy, God, I pray that you would reveal yourself to them a father who is in, deeply in love with them, who rejoices over them and doesn't run away, but runs after. God, come. You're more than enough. You're always enough. Always more than enough. We ask this in your name. Amen.